and welcome back here to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today, I'll be your host. Today's show, we are actually going to go ahead and preview some NBA action here as we have game four for the Philadelphia 76ers and Boston Celtics coming up. We also have game four coming up for the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. So we'll actually be recapping slash previewing for those game fours. I'll be kind of giving you uh, my keys to success for each club to kind of win that game and ultimately win the series here. I'll be giving you a little bit more of my predictions. We also will be talking about the NFL draft. I'm briefly just going to give you some thoughts about that. Not going to go over the whole draft board, but just kind of my thoughts of the NFL draft and what happened there. And then I'll be talking about the Canelo versus John Ryder fight that took place here on Saturday. So I'll be giving you my thoughts there. So before we actually jump into the content, let me first and foremost thank Anchor for being our platform, which is now Spotify Podcast. I want to go ahead and thank our fans out there who have actually listened to the show and actually chimed in here to actually drive content and give us some topics to talk about on a week-to-week basis. want to thank the sponsors out there who have put sponsorship on the show. Definitely appreciate you guys. And for the people out there who are actually watching the video podcast, you can catch us on YouTube at Real Talk Sports with Rico. Generally, we do drop a show every Sunday. This is special occasion where you guys are getting two shows since we missed last week when to come back here with a double show for you guys and make sure that you guys are going out there and showing love and pressing like and subscribe here and following us both on spotify and youtube so without further ado guys let's go ahead and jump into the topics today and let's start with one of my favorites here and that is the nba playoffs round two recap slash preview for game four i know that was a huge mouthful but let's jump into it so starting in the east here the boston celtics against the philadelphia 76ers here the celtics the two seed the sixers the three seed currently the celtics are leading the series uh, two games to one here Um, if you haven't caught the show or been looking at the nba playoffs thus far the Sixers came out and surprisingly came into Boston winning 119 to 115 behind a strong James Harden's performance with the 45 and six assists there. You had the Celtics come back 121 to 87 against the Sixers in game two to go ahead and win in Boston. And then they went on the road here and got the win against the Celtics, or excuse me, against the 76ers, 114 to 102 the Celtics there who are now two games to one and here's the game coming up here 3 30 p.m eastern time against the Philadelphia 76ers uh, in Philly so I like the Boston Celtics to win this series I think that Boston for sure has the deeper team Uh, there hasn't been a, a tougher tandem really in the league uh, on the eastern side of things, you know, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, those guys have been spectacular. Derek White has played extremely well. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who I'm going to talk about and how well he has played. Marcus Smart, who has just won the NBA Hustle Award, was the Defensive Player of the Year. And how about Al Horford and his contributions and how well he's been able to really lock in against the Philadelphia 76ers. And 
the Boston Celtics are actually the second best three-point shooting team in the league behind the Warriors, which is extremely scary. These guys definitely let it fly, and they make a lot of three-pointers. Uh, unlike the 76ers, who don't play with that type of offense, really, it, it really goes through Joel Embiid and others. And so this is a tough situation because, yet again, the 76ers are depending a lot on Joel Embiid, and he got injured, which he has been injured before. I said that this was going to be tough for the 76ers coming into this series, but I said the X factor for them and their championship hopes and how deep they were going to go was going to ride on James Harden, and it was going to ride on Tyrese Maxey, and it was going to ride on Tobias Harris. I think that out of all the the teams in Philly over the last six to ten years, the one constant there has been Joel Embiid. The issue is that they have not got anything that has been reluctantly consistent around Joel Embiid. You know, the coaching has been there with Doc Rivers. I think that he has done a terrific job. Um, I, I think that these guys are, are maximizing what they have, but I think the issue is just they don't have the deep enough team because when your star goes down, like Joel Embiid has gone down with injuries, or he's slowed, you need others to step up. You look at any other championship team over the past uh, so many seasons, they always have a co-star. And the co-star here, when you look at the Sixers, is James Harden. When you look at what he has been able to do in the conference finals, he has really struggled mightily. Aside from the 45 points that he had in game one and the six assists, in game two, he had 12 points, he had four assists, and then this last game, he had 16 points and 11 assists. And might I add, he is negative 21 in the box score in game two, and he was negative 12 in the box score in game three. I'm not sure what is happening with James Harden in the NBA playoffs. I got a ton of respect for James Harden. I like the way he plays basketball. I like what he was able to do in Houston. I like what he was able to do in OKC. And I just don't know what has happened to where he has not been able to um, and I'm not saying he has to be at a level where he's averaging 30 plus points a game, but it, it, it is certainly getting to that point where he has at least got to be a consistent 20 point score. Okay. It, it looks like that for the playoffs, he's averaging 20 points and at least five rebounds and eight assists per game. He has not hit that in these pivotal games. If James Harden can give you that consistently, Okay, and in clutch moments, the Sixers really have a chance here. But because James Harden has not been able to do that, the Sixers are in trouble. And what do I mean by that? Because James Harden has not made shots over the last couple games or been a, as aggressive as, as many would like him to be, what is happening to the Sixers is that on the offensive end, a lot of the pick and rolls that they like to run are now turning into pick and pops for Joel Embiid. And that means that he's shooting a lot of jump shots. That's fine. He can make jump shots. I get it. But as tall as Joel Embiid is, he also needs to be featured on the post and also too needs to be rolling to the basket. 
The problem is when you're coming off the pick and roll, if you're the guard, you're not scoring the basketball well um, or not being as aggressive. Now the Celtics defense, which was already strong already individually, what's happening now is when they come off on that patented pick and roll, you see a lot of the Celtics now are, are really in spot coverage. And what that means is that they're not individually necessarily locked into um, players, meaning that, you know, if it were Golden State, if it were Steph Curry, if it were Klay Thompson out there, you're not going to be able to sag down and play a little bit more of a spot in the defensive uh, scheme. You're going to have to actually respect the fact that guys could knock down shots. Because Philly doesn't play that way and then James Harden is struggling, Joel Embiid is getting downhill, but he's running into a wall of defenders. And it's either a tough pull-up jumper that he's having to take or he's running into multiple bodies, whether it's Al Horford, whether it's Grant Williams. You know, he has uh, Marcus Smart, who's been lurking there in the passing lanes. Uh, Jason Tatum, who's actually a lot better defender than what most people give him. And Jalen Brown, who's a a very good defender as well, a very good two-way player. It's really playing into the Boston Celtics' hands. And it has been quite a struggle. And when you look at Tobias Harris, he came out with the strong 18 points and he only had nine in game three. You look at Tyrese Maxey, he had 18 in game one, only 13 in the last game. I just think that the Sixers are in so much trouble because the Celtics are so deep and they don't have anything that has been remotely consistent other than Joel Embiid. And I'm going to throw out some stats for you guys. Speaking of Al Horford and the Celtics, he had 17, 7, 6 6 of 8, and 5 of 7 for the three-point land. But check this out. No player has a better record against Embiid than than Al Horford. So that's, that's an issue right there. And then I'm throwing out the fact that Malcolm Brogdon, who I've talked about, who has played great, former Rookie of the Year for Milwaukee, played some years here in Indiana before getting traded over. He had 23 and 6, and he was 6 of 10 from the three-point land. Told you that the Celtics like to shoot the ball. And he's coming off the bench here. How about this statistic? Only Malik Monk has more 20-point games off the bench this playoffs. That is huge, guys. What did I say was the, the tough thing about Phoenix? If you listen to the last show, they don't score off the bench. You have to have a bench. We'll talk about that here in the next game. And then lastly, with Jason Tatum, man, the the Celtics still won by 34 with him having a seven-point game, a seven-rebound, and three-assist game. No, he was in foul trouble, but the Celtics were able to win game two. That bodes well for the Celtics. I have them picked to make it out of the East, and this is why even when their best player is playing poorly the Celtics still get it done next up let's take a look here at the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets as the Phoenix Suns win in an epic fashion okay and getting a game here in Phoenix that they absolutely have to have no Chris Paul with the groin injury they have the worst scoring bench in the NBA playoffs and would be the worst scoring bench in NBA history if they win the NBA championships with this bench. And it's 
it's not looking good for the Suns. Even though the Suns won game three, it took everything from KD and Devin Booker to win this thing. And the bench and the others, there really wasn't too much contribution. As you look at Denver, Denver really had a well-balanced roster down the line, okay? Whether it was Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon's played well. Um, You have a solid bench. They have uh, Claudwell Pope coming off, knocking down three-pointers. They have the kid out of Kansas, Brom, who's played very well. Um, They have Brown coming over from the Nets. He's played extremely well, Bruce Brown. And so there's so many different weapons that Denver has. And then Jamal Murray is starting to play a lot like he did three or four years ago. Remember, he had the injury and he's now starting to look like the Jamal Murray from the NBA bubble. Okay, where that team came back from the 3-1 deficits, um, put the shocker on the, on the on the Clippers and got down to the Western Conference Finals. But I like Denver for the fact that they are just simply head and shoulders they're probably one of the deepest teams in the league and may even be deeper than the Warriors but they just don't quite have the experience um but man look the Joker had 30 17 and 17 the last game Jamal Murray had 32 and it took Phoenix two main stars here KD had 39 points nine rebounds eight assists Devin Booker an incredible performance I've never seen this before 46 points, only missing five shots, and he only took two free throws, and he didn't even take those two free throws until like the last two minutes of the game. Incredible. I mean, the way he was shooting the ball. There is no way. I I just put, I'm putting everything out there. There's no way that Devin Booker is going to be able to average a 50 piece for the next couple games to keep Phoenix afloat and even if KD and him go for 30 plus they're still not going to win the game Uh, if if they would have if Devin Booker would have scored 30 and then KD would have scored 39 they might have almost lost the game I I think that they had just still barely won 121 to 114 but I just think that this is going to be a tough uphill battle if you've been listening to my show you've been following the podcast I said one of the keys to Phoenix is that they could not they could not be injured. And that's one thing that has happened. They have lost Chris Paul, who is their terrific point guard, gets them into the correct sets, settles them on the offensive end. Right now, they're trying to outscore guys. And that is only going to go so far when you have two guys. And especially with KD and Devin Booker making history, listen to these stats here. With the, with the 39, 9, and 8 that KD had in Game 3, he's the first player in NBA history to reach those notes in a playoff game or those numbers in a playoff game with zero turnovers. Folks, if you played NBA basketball, if you play basketball at all, turnovers happen, I guarantee you he's going to turn the ball over, okay? He's going to turn the ball over. It's going to take some possessions away from Phoenix, and those possessions are going to be scores for Denver. That's more than likely what happens when you turn the basketball over. The other team gets into favorable situations. Devin Booker, okay, more history for you. 
With his 46, six rebounds, nine assists, and three steals, 20 of 25 field goals that he hit, and the five of eight from the three-point land, he joins Dirk Nowitzki as the only player in NBA history with 45 with a 45-point playoff game on an 80% field goal percentage. Listen to that. 80% field goal percentage. Guys, that's like playing NBA 2K the video game on rookie mode okay and I, I take nothing away from Devin Booker but those type of performances are just 80 percent and and in an NBA game you're banking on the fact that you have to have a guy shoot 80 percent in order for you to win the game that's not going to happen for Phoenix unfortunately you know I, again I think that Phoenix is going to find out when they traded away Cam Johnson Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, and all those picks, they gave up way, 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 way too much. Way too much. And I think that what you're going to see here is that that's going to be the repercussions, I think, moving forward for the Phoenix Suns as they are going to lose this series. I clearly expect Denver to take care of business here in five to six games and those stats were provided by stat boost by the way guys all right guys so moving forward i wanted to talk about the nfl draft 2023 and i just wanted to kind of give you guys my thoughts here about the nfl draft you know briefly i just think that there was no there's no parody really out there i think that a lot was made about the quarterbacks and the quarterbacks were really the 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 focal point of this year's NFL draft you had Bryce Young go um, the first pick overall here to uh, the Panthers and he's going into a situation where the Panthers obviously they had a, a good end to the to the to the year uh, obviously didn't make the playoffs they've been it's been a revolving door really since Cam Newton has been there and a lot is been made about Bryce Young and his size and his durability I mean this is going to be a tough one I've seen Bryce Young play I think he's really cool in the clutch Um, I just wonder are we looking at another Tua situation okay because Tua looked great at Alabama plays with elite wide receivers I will give it to Bryce Young he's more um, in that Joe Montana uh, kind of feel to him the way he was able to create plays for Alabama and things like that. But, you know, in the pro level, man, everybody can run. Everybody can play. The coverage is going to be a lot better on your wide receivers. And he's in a situation where he's probably going to have to play early. Um, but, you know, his decision-making, his poise, they really translate well in the NFL. You know, he threw for about 58.4% in passes. Um so I, I mean this is this is this is going to be an interesting situation. I just hope that he's able to stay upright and healthy. And I hope that you know the Panthers don't throw him out there too quickly um, and really make it tough for this young man. CJ Stroud to the Ohio State uh, or from Ohio State to the Houston Texans. I think that this is going to be naturally a better fit for CJ Stroud. I think that he might have the most success early on out of the quarterbacks uh Anthony Richardson 
from Florida going to the Colts. Interesting situation, man, because the Colts really were a running football with Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, I think that they're getting a dual threat with Anthony Richardson, but there's so many question marks. I mean, he looks so great on tape. Got a chance to watch him at the combine and everything like that. And I thought it was interesting whether, I don't know, I think it was ESPN or I don't know if it was Todd McShay or somebody was basically saying that, you know, if you're a GM and you draft a guy and he's really good, then, you know, you're probably going to keep your job and you're going to look great. But uh, if you're a GM and you went for it and he busts, you're going to get fired. And if you didn't draft him and then he destroys your team two times a year, you're going to be fired. So, I mean, it's a tough situation. And I'm hoping that that kid does well. Uh, He reminds me a lot kind of of what RG3 had with the explosiveness coming out of college, the way he can run the football and also throw the ball as well. So I I hope that uh, he can get it done. Because remember, guys, the Colts, I think, have had the most starting quarterbacks or tied for the most starting quarterbacks in week run. And I'd have to say it's probably up there with Washington, I would say, that has the most um, quarterbacks that have started on week one. And then just my overall assessment of the draft when who really won the draft, I would say it would be the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Philadelphia Eagles got richer. I think that they did exactly what they did a year ago on offense when they went out and got A.J. Brown at the wide receiver position. Uh, paired him obviously with Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts they knew what they had there but what they did defensively and going out and getting Jalen Carter they also go out and get another one of his teammates as well they still have uh, Fletcher Cox there defensively they have gotten much much tougher And the one thing that I love that they did in this year's draft is they went out and they got themselves a legit running back in DeAndre Swift. If DeAndre Swift stays healthy, okay, he is going to have a most improved year. Okay, put that down on the table right now. I'm telling you, he might be the most improved player in the NFL next year. With his ability to catch the football, Okay, he's going to be able to operate in space first and foremost because the Eagles wide receivers are so dangerous. He's going to get a lot of checkdowns. Okay, he's also going to get a lot of plays when um, Jalen Hurts is scrambling out of the pocket, and he's not a bad runner. He, I think, he averaged like either four or five yards a carry when he was out there. The only issue with DeAndre Swift has been the injuries throughout his time with the Lions but make no mistake about it I think that there was really no parity out there in the NFL draft the quarterbacks were definitely the story of the draft and I think that the Eagles were the biggest winners of the draft next up I wanted to talk briefly here about the Canelo and John Ryder fight here that I watched on Saturday and man Canelo looked really, really good, guys. <laughs> I mean, I know that the scar or the score scorecard, excuse me, was 118 to 109, and this was a unanimous decision. But Canelo knocked John Ryder down several times. And I felt like Canelo was the guy who was in charge of this fight. 
I think he looked good. He did tire out in rounds, I don't know, eight to 12. But at that point, he was so far ahead, I think, in the scores card that it really didn't matter. And the fact that Canelo delivered again, I saw a couple of his fights. I think he's a terrific boxer. I think he's actually one of the few people in boxing that I actually will pay money to sit down and watch. And I think that he he put on a show there in his hometown. He looked very good. So congratulations to Canelo taking it home here. I know that, uh, you know, he always wants to put on a show here, especially coming out of Cinco de Mayo. But uh, I got to give John Ryder uh, his, his credit, man, because... It looks like he, it almost looked like he broke his nose. I'm not sure, but his nose was bleeding profusely throughout the fight. Um, but he took a lot of shots, got knocked down, was wobbly, but he kept coming. He kept coming, and I like that, and I like his future. I don't know where he's at in the rankings and things like that, but I definitely wanted to give uh, John Ryder his roses because the way he stood in there, against Canelo, a champion taking those punches and staying with it uh, is commendable, but uh, a great fight, I think, from Canelo and those who actually watched that fight. And so with that being said, guys, that is today's show. Um, we just wanted to talk about the upcoming games here on Sunday. Be prepared for Monday's games with the, um, you got the, the Lakers, you got the Golden State Warriors there. They're going to be playing. You got the Miami Heat. You got the New York Knicks. And I pick Golden State in seven. I feel like the Miami Heat win this within six, I believe. So that's my predictions going into that one. By the time the show drops again, we'll be talking a little bit more about those matchups going into the finals on both the Eastern and Western Conference. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And so before we get out of here, guys, I just want to go ahead and thank Anchor for being our platform, which is now Spotify podcast. So you can check us out there. The link is in the show notes below. If you are checking us out here on YouTube, you can follow us at Real Talk Sports with Rico. You can go ahead and press like and subscribe. Generally, we drop a show every Sunday. Again, this time around, we actually dropped a double show for you guys here. So um, with that being said, guys, make sure you press like and subscribe. Love you guys out there to the fans for going ahead and listening to us and chiming in from a week to week basis, helping us drive content to the show. Shout out to Stat Moose there for the stats. And um, guys, I'll see you guys on the next show. This is Rico with Real Talk Sports saying peace. Peace, guys. Peace.